O Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 27 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me. God of my salvation, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Gospel reading comes from John, chapter 21, beginning at the first verse. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. 
This is now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This is one of those texts that's kind of a fun text, right? Uh, we, We had the conclusion of John last week, basically. And this is sort of, a a lot of commentators uh, will say that this is just sort of an add-on, that it's, that it's something that, uh, that really, uh, it wasn't part of the end of John at the, uh, at, at the time in which John concluded the gospel of John when he had finished writing it. And then this, uh, story of Christ and his encounter with the disciples, was added on later. Not that it did not happen, but that maybe it was that they'd just forgotten to put it in there. Maybe it was a story that was told over and over and over again. And people were like, we need to hear the story again and again, because it's actually a beautiful story, right? So Jesus, after appearing to them in the upper room and all these things, it, it says that he's going to reveal himself again, that he's going to have this apocalypsis, this, this revelation, this revealing, this taking away of the curtain, this taking away, lifting of the veil of the bride for, for his disciples to see him. And it begins with the crew, right? Hanging out on the shore. And Simon Peter and, and Thomas and Nathaniel and, and John and James and two others of his disciples. So that's basically everybody. Simon says, I'm going to go fishing. There's the sense, right, uh, that we experience God in some way. I can I can think of Bible camp. I can think of going to some sort of revival. I can think of going to some sort of uh, music, Christian music festival, or maybe some just amazing Sunday service in which uh, we experience Christ. We experience God. We get bowled over by the Holy Spirit or the message just cuts to our hearts and we are amazed and overjoyed and, and we just cannot imagine uh, the, the beauty of what we've just seen and heard. But then Monday comes around, right? Or Tuesday or Wednesday or, or the, the following Monday, whenever we get back home. And it's time to go back to our vocations. It's time to go back to work. It's time to experience again regular life. And here we have Peter. I'm going fishing. Why? Because he's a fisherman. Here I think, uh, I've heard some people preach on this and go, Peter forgot about Jesus and his new calling. Well, at the same time, Peter's a fisherman. That's part of his vocation. We can't deny ourselves, our vocations, our callings in life, the things that God has handed over to us, right? The things that he has offered up to us as our callings through the gifts that he has given to us. And so Simon Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And, and his, his friends, his buddies, including the Zebedees, who were fishermen, say, okay, let's go. We go back to work. We go back to normal life. The reality being that we're not going to be mountaintop Christians forever. We're not going to sit on a mountaintop, avoiding everything else of life and spending all day uh, like some monks do, just in, in prayer and meditation. We go back to the, to the nitty gritty. We go back to the grind And what do we find happening? And they struggled. 
They had hardship, right? They had caught nothing. But then the risen Christ shows up. And this is where the resurrection becomes something huge, because if Jesus is dead, he cannot be something or someone that we experience on a regular basis. But if he's a living Jesus, a living Jesus who is alive and will be forever, an eternal Jesus, a Jesus who can invade our lives in every possible circumstance, then this resurrected Jesus is one in which he doesn't necessarily just have to be found on the mountaintop. You know what I mean by that phrase, correct? He, he doesn't just get to be found in you know, Bible camp or at those, those concerts, those revivals that we love. We, we, make, we put so much of our, of our hopes and dreams of becoming a better Christian into those places instead of, instead of teaching our young people and growing in our own way into knowing this Jesus for who he is on the days in which we are just doing mundane things. And that's what happens here. Jesus invades the, invades the mundane of what Peter and, and the other disciples were doing. In fact, he invades when they're failing at it. Do you see that here? They're fishermen. They're supposed to catch fish. And what's happened? They haven't caught anything. And yet Christ, the living Christ, the Christ who now can never be defeated again, he has sat down at the right hand of the Father saying, it is finished, it is done, I've won the victory, there is no more war. Now he has the ability, instead of being concerned about defeating sin, death, and the devil, it's all done. And so now he invades our life to bring us closer to him. And so he shows up on the seashore and he says, friends, calls them friends, a term of endearment cries out to them and says, hey, you got anything? You got any fish? And they have to admit, no, we failed today. And so he, he guides them and says, well, why don't you try this? And it works. And it's an amazing miracle. Does that mean that we're going to have miracles like that in our lives? No, it doesn't mean that at all. That's not going to happen. Uh, it, it may happen every now and then, but it's not going to be this everyday thing because we give our heart to Jesus or whatnot. No, but it is Christ doing what he's going to do where you can show up to some just normal regular thing. Maybe you show up to a Bible study where you were expecting there to be a dozen people and there's five or three or whatever. And you can get down saying, well, why aren't there more people here? But in that time that you have in that hour with whoever's leading that Bible study, your eyes are opened wider. Your ears are opened more to see Christ in his word, to hear him speak to you, to call you friend. That is what Jesus is doing here. This resurrected Jesus showing up on that seashore. And it says that there's such a large number of fish that they can't do anything with it. And who is it but John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He never gives himself a name. He just says the disciple for whom Jesus loved cries out, it's the Lord. Realizing finally that in the mundane things, when something amazing happens, he's able to cry out, it's because of God, because of Christ. That's one of the things that maybe we have to work on as a people, church. 
is that when the amazing happens in our lives during especially mundane times, maybe we need to be better about praising God for it, crying out to God for it, realizing what it is that he is doing for us. Well, Peter does what Peter normally does. He leaves everybody behind and he just jumps in the water, right? (laughs) Jumps in the water because he wants to get to his Jesus. And here the other disciples are bringing the net behind them. And what do you find? But Peter shows up and there everything is prepared. Fire, bread, fish, Christ laying out a table for Peter and the other disciples. God's provision for us in the mundane, normal, ordinary places, that it doesn't have to be some extraordinary thing, but it is God showing up for us in those times in which we least expect him to. Has that happened for you lately? Or maybe it's been a long time, but you can remember God showing up in that way. Well, Jesus asks for some fish. They bring him some fish, and and I love how John always gives the numbers, right? 153 of them. He always wants to make it an abundance, an overabundance. He he writes that when he writes about Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus down from the cross, and they bring more spices than you could possibly ever need for a hundred bodies, let alone one. But he's wanting to give this overabundance, this outpouring, this this amazing thing that's happened. And so he gives this number, 153 fish, large fish, to say God is providing in an abundance, and that he does regularly provide you in abundance, just maybe not in the way that you expect. And then Christ feeds them. Come and have breakfast. I'm going to care for you. And it says that no one had to ask who he was because they all knew. That is the hope for us, church, is that we experience Christ enough, not in the mountaintops, not in the ways that we would say uh, during the transfiguration where Peter wants to build tents on top of that mountain because he wants to keep Jesus the way he wants to keep Jesus there on top of that mountain. But instead, we experience Christ enough so that we know When it happens in this mundane little things where two or three are gathered, there Christ is, and we see it, and we go, wow, Christ has been here with me. And it says that he did what he normally does. He breaks bread, gives out fish. He does what he's normally going to do. And then he makes sure to say this is the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead, wanting to make sure that we know that the risen Christ is one who comes to us in these weird, unexpected, ordinary places. My hopes are is that you're not going through life in which you need to have some sort of spiritual fervor in order to have Jesus, because that's not the case. I was watching an old Anthony Bourdain episode of a cook's tour where he was down in, um, in Brazil. And there was this sort of African spiritual cult that he got to go to a meeting of theirs and eat some food with them. And he was just kind of bothered by a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, sort of over the top spiritual things that were happening there. He, Anthony Bourdain was not a religious man to begin with, but here he is uh, 
being a little bothered by the fact that they're they're drumming and they're moaning and they're crying out and they're dancing and all these things. And he says it was the hopes for people to be bowled over by the spirits that they were worshiping. These spirits that they were worshiping. And we find ourselves in that place all the time where we have to be in some sort of spiritual high in order to experience Christ. And here Christ says no. He says no. Instead, I'm going to show up to you on the seashore when you're going out about your business. I'm going to show up in your office. I'm going to show up in your living room when you're having a fight with your spouse. I'm going to show up on that road trip that you were worried about. I'm going to show up uh, in that staff meeting. I'm going to show up when you're working on whatever rocket you're working on here at at the naval base. I'm, I'm going to be doing these sorts of things. Not where you're going to think that you have the most spiritual experience. No. Instead, he's going to show up at the times you least expect him because it's at those times that you more than likely need him. May that be so for you today, church. This risen Christ, the resurrected Christ, who's not hidden anywhere, but instead shows up when he's least expected to do the things that are needed for you. Let us pray. O Lord, who has promised to grant what we pray in the name of your Son, teach us to pray aright and to laud and praise you with all your saints in the fullness of life everlasting through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We will see you uh, for Ascension Day this week. Peace.